The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. This one is all about horsepower. Boomer Sooner and the Pony Express. For the first time in almost three decades, back together again. The programs that watched Craig James and Dickerson and Little Joe and Billy run. Riding high in the saddle after trampling to impressive season opening triumphs. Sooners in turbo mode. Throw to Stoops at the 10. He's to the 5. Touchdown! Rolling to his right under some pressure. He's got Nolan Matthews. Harris in the end zone. Touchdown, SMU! octane offenses stacked with speed and sizzle the question which defense can force them to hold their horses we're about to find out it's football time in oklahoma throws in zone for gibson he leaps and he caught it he caught it freeman on the loose he's at the 40 switch by a guy he might go 10-5 t-freaky it's the oklahoma sooners and the SMU Mustangs. Giddy up. Here we go. Live from the Palace on the Prairie. Historic Owen Field in Norman, Oklahoma. This is Sooner Football. I feel the master. Back by popular demand. You demanded it after last week. It is the scene setter to open up the Friday rush with uh, We Ready in the background. Let's go. Getting closer and closer to kickoff in Norman. Game 2, OUSMU. Coming your way 5 p.m. tomorrow on ESPN+. Tyler McComish, Travis Davidson. We got you for the next three hours. Bob Stoops is going to join me at Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club at some point today. And, um, well, Travis, apparently the nation is not believing it just yet when it comes to the OU defense. Because as I I read the uh, college football section of ESPN.com, it says Oklahoma, fool's gold or for real. And I guess that kind of comes with the territory when you were the 99th ranked total defense a year ago. But no one seems to be buying the defense after the 73-0 win over Arkansas State. But... ESPN does admit, okay, if they can do something similar against SMU, then maybe that'll catch our attention a little bit more. Do do you think it really will, Tyler, or do you think it's going to be if we do repeat the performance or something at least uh, resembling it, do you think it'll be that? Do you think it'll be finally some respect put on the name, or do you think it'll be 
Ah, SMU wasn't really good after all. I, I, I kind of think the, the can will be kicked down the road until we get to Dallas, right? It'll be, okay, well, they play well against SMU, but clearly we thought too highly of SMU. Uh, yeah, Kevin Wilson is the OC at Tulsa. He's had some elite offenses before, but come on, it's Tulsa. Iowa State, they were, or Cincinnati first, Cincinnati first year in the conference, they're not great. Iowa State was betting on OU. It, you're right, man, it's still probably the point, and who cares? whatever but OU's probably not going to get a lot of credit nationally until they go in and prove it against a team like Texas in the Cotton Bowl hey that's that's fine that's fine you know I mean all you've got to do is take care of business right just keep winning just keep winning anything that Oklahoma has ever wanted to achieve Oklahoma has been able to achieve it on their own they don't need to 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 look ahead or look across the conference or even root for Texas against Alabama. You don't need to do that. OU nope. has always been in control of their own destiny. OU will always be in control of their own destiny. We have a mountain of evidence to show that and zero evidence in the contrary. So, again, go out, take care of business every week, take care of business, like legitimately take care of business. Don't don't let these games come down to, you know, a last-minute two-point conversion or anything like that. Go out there and take care of business decidedly, and everything else to take care of itself. Um, I'm, ESPN's right now got this game at uh, 14 and a half point spread. Now on scores and odds, it's 16 and a half, which still seems kind of low. Why, why is the spread so low? Why is it 14 and a half in some places, such as Caesars, right now? What's what's going on here? Because I think a lot of us on the text line, me included, have picked a, um, I picked a, you know, a, a healthy OU win this weekend. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for people to trust OU's defense. I mean, it's been, what, a decade since we had one that, uh, you know, you could really trust. And, Tyler, there are a lot of people probably, you know, listening, and especially on the text line, that uh, that probably don't trust the defense yet. And I don't blame them, you know. You've got to put together back-to-back good performances. We had some flashes last year, of course. But, but I think it comes down to that, Tyler. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, SMU. Rhett Lashley, you know, they got a bunch of, you know, Kamar Wheaton and Jordan Hudson and all these guys. They got a bunch of talent on offense at SMU, and, uh, and, and, and I don't know whether to trust this defense or not. Well, if we, play, uh, if we play anything like the defense we played last week, then it ain't going to be no 16.5-point victory. It's going to be a lot more. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. And I, as I ask you this, I as always extended out to the text line as well, 405-651-3439, though I do have a pretty good idea as to what the answer is going to be. But even with the 73 nothing win last week and as well as they played defensively, what do we need to see this week in terms of a improvement defensively? And I'm going to guess everyone says a more consistent pass rush, but – is that what we need to see tomorrow that we can look at as an improvement from last week, a consistent pass rush against an offense that we that we think is pretty good? You know, I'm going to kind of buck back on that just a little bit, Tyler. I don't think we – yes, I think if, if we play well, then we will have a good pass rush today. But I think we played well last week, and we didn't rack up the numbers. One thing that I, I want – I want to start looking through the lens of, or at least suggesting that people look through the lens of, is results, right? So did we have a lot of sacks last week? No, we only had one. Okay, that's fine. Did we have anybody with 15 tackles, you know, 10 tackles, 8 tackles? No, we didn't. 
our leading tacklers all had four tackles. So you would look at that and say, oh, maybe there's no standout player on the defense. Oh, no, maybe we can't rush the passer. But what I would suggest is look through the lens of results. We held them to less than 50 yards rushing. We held them to less than 50% completion percentage. I believe it was 46% completion percentage we held them to. We held them out of the end zone, and more importantly, we held them out of the red zone, Tyler. So when you look at that, I mean, we were money on the money downs on third and fourth down. Uh, We did everything we needed to do. It's just when you look at just the stats of, oh, did we get sacks? Oh, what were our leading tacklers? You know, that's where it kind of gets muddy. But I think it's it's more of the same, Tyler, this week. You need to be able to hold them, hold the run game down and force Preston Stone, who I know a lot of people think is is the real deal. I would like to see him start more than two games and play better in in in, in some games before I crown him. So you know, make Preston Stone beat you. I, I agree with all that. We really showed uh, our scars last Saturday, did we not, after the game? Like, just couldn't just say, hey, 73 nothing win? What a performance by the defense. A, ni- a nice shutout. Arkansas State isn't great. We-, we had to immediately, like, look for reasons as to why it was, <laughs> like, why it was fool's gold a little bit or what could have been better. So, I, I don't know. I-, maybe- I think everyone's over that now, and maybe we're starting to have some expectations defensively when we come up with uh, final scores on Saturday. Let, let me get to a few texts. Uh, Spence in Tulsa says sacks in all caps, what, uh, what he wants to see as opposed to last week. And I think that that's going to happen. With the different looks that this defense is going to show this week compared to last week, they're going to bring pressure like they did a week ago. But I, I just think overall some of the different looks they are going to show tomorrow that they didn't show last week I think is going to confuse Preston Stone. I think the pass rush is going to be way more of a factor uh, than it was last week. 918, I want to see the secondary not give up deep passes like SMU did against Louisiana Tech. And and if that's if that's what tomorrow looks like, Travis, if OU just does these two things, and this goes a long way into being a, a top 20 defense every year, but if OU can get more of a consistent pass rush and SMU's not really getting anything deep down the field, SMU's not going to do a whole lot offensively tomorrow. Like th- Those are the two biggest factors, and the first two I read off I do agree with. But if they don't have free runners down the field, I actually feel very comfortable with OU's corners and OU safeties in one-on-one spots deep down the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I, I brought this up throughout the week, but, you know, everybody wants to look at, you know, Jordan Hudson having that 67-yard touchdown, right, that catch. And then, you know, he hit a kind of a deeper touchdown uh, throw. I think it was a 25-yarder. But, you know, on the Jordan Hudson one specifically, Jordan got away with shoving the defensive back down, two hands shoved the defensive back down. Even the announcers, Tyler, were talking about how it should have been offensive pass interference. He got away with one. This wasn't a situation where SMU was just bombing it down the field. A lot of Preston Stone's stat line, was affected by that one throw. A lot of his other throws, Tyler, were bubble screens, were those push passes that, you know, you get, you know, he's lined up in, in, in shotgun, they snap it to him, and he just kind of taps it forward to a running back that's running the other way. So, I mean, that kind of stuff really, you know, kind of artificially inflated his completion percentage. And, you know, if one of those goes, you know, goes, you know, around the edge or something like that, those are passing yards and i'm putting air quotes on this one here in riverwind casino like it's i just don't think a they're gonna beat us downfield all that often 
I think they're going to try and carve up the intermediate a little bit, and that's where those safeties have to be ready. Reggie Pearson has to be ready to light a dude up coming across the middle. He will. If you, if you can, yeah, exactly. He'll light you up anywhere. He'll light you up out of bounds, as we saw last week. Yes. So with with Reggie, he's going to light somebody up. He want, he needs to make them pay with the intermediate passing game and force them onto islands with Woody Washington, Gentry Williams, uh, guys like Kanai Walker and Kendall Dolby and, and, and all these guys that are on the outside that I think are good athletes, really good athletes. And when you think of a lot of these guys that have transferred from A&M and uh, Miami and TCU, all these guys that transferred to SMU, I mean, there's a reason that they transferred from there to SMU. And this was before they announced SMU to the ACC. So don't get scared away because of the stars. Just go out and compete. Yeah, we talked about the uh, the Oklahoma Fools Gold for real or not, the headline on, on ESPN. Like, How do we look at tomorrow post game if – and I don't know what the number is. Let's just say that this defense plays really well, man. I mean, they get after Preston Stone. They shut down the run game. They're very competitive one-on-one with deep balls. SMU just, they, they don't do a whole lot offensively, and we look at it as another really good performance by this OU defense. Is it too early to, to really get excited um, about that side of the ball? I mean, I, I think it's obvious right now that they are better than they were a year ago if you just look at the body sizes that they have on the D-line, just the overall depth. But, like, can, can tomorrow be can tomorrow be a gauge if they play well to where we say, oh, yeah, Travis, w- without a doubt, they are better. They are at least a top 50 defense here this year. Oh, yeah, and, and I, think, I think if you can't get there, then you're just not allowing yourself to, I don't know, maybe you're not opening yourself up to the possibility of being hurt down the road. Maybe you're slow to trust or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, if they do it again, I mean, look at the offenses we have to face, Tyler. I mean, who even knows? I think I think I might be able to start, you know, for Iowa State this year. I'll have to check my phone and see if Matt Campbell's reached out. I mean, who knows what, what they're going to do. We don't have a lot of confidence in the quarterback situation in Oklahoma State. Who knows? Uh, I mean, Emory Jones is doing some things at Cincinnati last week. We'll see what he does this week. It's not exactly murderer's row with offenses, Tyler, and that no. and that really plays into it, right? That really that really factors into your final numbers, right? Like if you don't play a lot of great offenses, then you likely will have some pretty good defensive numbers. But what I like, Tyler, is if we go out there and 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 put together a good performance tomorrow. Look at the snap count numbers. That, I think that's going to be really important. Uh, you know, last year. When you look at Danny Stutzman leading the Big 12 in tackling but not making any of the all-conference teams, it's because he led the league in snaps at the position of linebacker. You know, you, you see Ethan Downs on the all-Big 12 list on the second team last year. Yes, he accumulated a lot of stats, but a lot of that's because he played a lot. And, of course, he played well, but it's also because he played a lot. There's a, it, the, He would have been first team if he would have got those uh, stats with less snaps. But in through one week, Tyler, we're seeing the complete opposite. They're bringing in a ton of depth and not having that big of a drop-off. Danny Sussman, I think, played 23 snaps against Arkansas State. Felt so weird winning with, the time of possession last week, didn't it? The uh, right. Arkansas State offense only out there 23 minutes. We are used to the opposing offense being out, out there about 40 minutes last year. Exactly. And, and, and with that, I like to see him slow it down a little bit, especially once Jackson got out there, really slowed it down, Let you know, looked to the sideline, got the play call in. They weren't in a crazy rush, but – 
what w- where it really bit us last year was I think Danny's played like 170 snaps through three games or something like that last year. I've got the I've got the stats here, but through through that 167 170 snaps, Tyler, you just can't hold up, man. You, yeah. We had Deshaun White and Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman. If they were healthy, they were playing deep into games. You can't hold up late in no. the year if that's what you're going to do. No, that many snaps, and you were so thin last year. I mean, it just—I mean, you're kind of asking for what happened a year ago late in games. But any time you win the time of possession, I, I mean, you're going to be—you know—you're going to be the fresher team. You know, later on, late in the game. But here's the thing, especially in a game like this tomorrow, because OU has some quality depth. I, I think that we've seen it. SMU, I mean, they've got a good starting 22, but outside that, there's a massive drop-off. So if OU can have 36 minutes time of possession like they did um, last week, you're really, really going to see OU take a hold of this game in the second half because it's going to be hot once again tomorrow. SMU doesn't have 50, 60 bodies that they can just throw out there. So I'd, I'd like to see OU win the time of possession and control things like they did last week. That's going to go a, uh, a long way, I think, in uh, covering the spread rather easily. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit more OUSMU. Look around to the big games across college football as well coming up tomorrow. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. The home of Sooner fans. Home for Sooner recruiting coverage. Home of your Sooner game day voices. Home of the best pre- and post-game coverage. Join the movement. Download the free KRF app now to listen anywhere, anytime. We are where diehard Sooner fans listen. OEC Football Friday. Live on the Rush, we are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, OUSMU. 5 p.m. I guess the spread's down to 14 and a half. OU minus 14 and a half. I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. OU minus 14 and a half. I've got uh, OU covering uh, rather easily tomorrow. I also have the University of Alabama easily covering tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. At least, please let Alabama cover easily tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. Travis, when we look at this game, is there a Bigger factor in this Texas-Bama game than Quinn Ewers having the best game of his collegiate career up to this point? Because I I can't find anything else that would be equally as important. Well, it would have to be. And here's the thing, Tyler. You and I said all offseason that Texas was going to miss one man, Mr. B. John Robinson. And where that really showed up last week, Tyler, was – their offensive line played like crap. Yep. I mean, because what what did we say? Oh, man, Quinn, 0 of 6 on passes, 20 yards or more. And Texas fans said, well, 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 hey, 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 that's not his fault. He had no time to throw. To which I thought, wait a minute, isn't that worse news? Isn't that worse news that you played Rice and your quarterback was running for his life? The offensive line is supposed to be your strength. It's supposed to be your bread and butter. What's what going on, Texas? How awesome That's what I was be. told. And I think Kelvin Banks is really good. Um, I, I'm not quite bought in on a lot of the rest of their line, but I think Kelvin Banks is, is a top five offensive tackle in the country. But with, with that, where they really struggled last week was their interior offensive line could not block. The pocket kept on getting blown up and Quinn couldn't step into his throws. You know who helps a lot of that? 
is running backs, picking up pass protection, picking up blocks. Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson were both good at that. The difference is these, these uh, you know, whether it be Jonathan Brooks, whether it be C.J. Baxter, whether it be Jaden Blue, they're not good at that, at least not yet. So with that, not only do you lose a little bit of that respect of the running game because Bijan was so good and he caught the ball out of the backfield well, now you miss a lot of that protection on the interior, and, I mean, that that spells trouble. So Alabama's going to pin their ears back and say, oh, we don't got to worry about Bijan and you guys can't block our interior? Let's do it. Yeah, no, I, and that's that's a really good point. Is without Bijan Robinson, like they they have some nice running backs. Texas does right now, and and I think in time they'll end up being you know good at at running back. But to beat Alabama tomorrow night with the front seven that they're going to have, and if Texas offensive line doesn't play better than they did against Rice. I'm sorry, man, but C.J. Baxter and those running backs that Texas have right now, that's that's not going to cut it. They they need someone special at running back. They need B. John Robinson. There's just one problem. He's not on the roster anymore. So what if I don't think that they're special at running back, uh, special enough to hit on a ton of big plays, who's that's go- who is that going to fall on? Well, it's going to fall on Quinn Ewers to have the best game of his career, and it may fall on Quinn Ewers to have the best game of his career behind an offensive line that could be a little shaky tomorrow. You'll just have to excuse me if I disagree with half of the national media that are picking the horns to go into Tuscaloosa and win this game. Yeah, and and what did we see last year, Tyler, when when Sark, for some weird reason, forced the offense through Quinn? It was that Oklahoma State game. I mean, forced the offense through Quinn. When you have B. John Robinson in the backfield, Quinn goes out there and loses the game, throws 30 incompletions, 30 incompletions and throws two interceptions to end the game that's what it looks like when you force it through Quinn and they're going to do that again to your point because they really don't have any other options and I don't know playing in Austin with a hundred thousand people behind you you know I think that might have had a little bit of a uh, that was the biggest home game they've had in Austin maybe ever definitely in the last few decades so now you go into Tuscaloosa and do it after Alabama fans have to hear about how oh, not only are some people picking them to win, but Alabama fans have to hear about, oh, we would have beat you last year had Quinn not been injured. Hey, we would have beat you in the national championship, you know, if, if not due to another quarterback injury. Like, that's the thing. Like, Alabama, that crowd is going to be absolutely on fire, Tyler. Yeah, after all the reasons you just listed last year, it, it, <laughs> it for some reason it, it's kind of felt like Alabama's been the underdog in this game at times this offseason. This is a um, it, Texas is just in a terrible spot, is what they're in. Like they're they're expected to win this game and really compete, but they're doing it on the road in a hostile environment in a team that. Travis, this feels like an Alabama team to me that is going to use this game as an opportunity to say, nah, we're not we're not going anywhere. So the narrative around Texas, the narrative around Alabama, it just feels like Texas is walking into a, a really, really bad spot here with how much people were crapping on Alabama in the offseason. I, I just I don't expect good things for UT tomorrow night. And as Cherokee Sooner says on the text line, Bevo is walking into a slaughterhouse. SEC snob says Texas still sucks. OU Mitchell says if Texas can pay 100 k to every scholarship offensive lineman and still struggle at the position, it doesn't bode well for their SEC future. 
if Texas gets pushed around tomorrow um, up front of the offensive line, what was considered a position of strength, I'm not saying that the narrative is going to change on them, but that's going to be that's going to be pretty revealing for that group because everyone just anointed them as at least the second best O lineman in the conference going into the year. Yeah, and and again, people are going to people are going to realize how much Bijan Robinson affects a game plan because last year, again, you've got people waiting to stuff the run. You're not having a ton of free blitzers and things like that because they're they're wanting to stop Bijan, right? Well, you don't have to do that this year. And 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 a great point on the text line. If Texas can pay, they straight up paid. DJ Campbell would have been a sooner had, you know, they not had the, uh, what do they call it, the pancake factory. Um, Like if they wouldn't have had that NIL situation pop up right when that happened, he would have been a sooner, five-star defensive lineman. I mean, they're they're getting the talent. They've always got the talent. But, Tyler, has talent ever been the question at Texas? Uh, they've been a little less talented here recently, but still they have more talent than what the final record has has shown. So, so really, no, the, the talent has never been has never been the issue. The problem is for them, um, they're facing a team that's more talented tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa. I think that's a big problem. Facing a team that's more talented and um, facing the uh, the best college football coach of all time, not a good recipe. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's a good point by Chris and Lindsay on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line here. Said, and don't forget, Bama had a ton of penalties last year. They were very sloppy. I mean, if that's that's a great point. I, we remember that last year. I remember Saban just on the sideline, looking like he was about to pull his hair out. And uh, and, and yeah, I I don't think I think that was probably a top two most penalized game of their season last year. We will see. If that repeats, it could always repeat itself. They could play sloppy again. Nobody's above playing sloppy again. But you have to believe, Tyler, that that's a point of emphasis going into this game. 817G, should Texas even show up? I, I guess we'll find out pretty soon tomorrow night after that one kicks off. But what what is the, what's the path to victory for UT tomorrow? What, what does it look like? I, it, it's obviously Quinn Ewers playing at a high level. Their O-line playing better. But what's like what, what are some reasons or how can Texas actually win this game? They're gonna they're gonna have to force Jalen Milrow into some uh, into some penalties because that Texas defense is talented. They've got uh, they've got a lot of talent out there, and, and and I do think their defense. I know the offense has all kinds of star power and big names and whatnot. I think Texas is a, is a better defensive team than they are an offensive team, and that's what where they're going to have to shine. Right, you've got to hold the running game down. You can't let Milrow run all over you. I know he was. He was good on the deep ball, you know, last week. We'll see how he looks this week, but but I think if they're gonna win, man, you've got to shorten this shorten this game big time by by trying to run the ball, not trying to force everything downfield and try and just outscore them. The defense is gonna be what they lean on at Texas. Because again, I do think that defense is pretty good. Five one two back to reality. Alabama's home record since 08 is eighty four and five. Only five losses in thirteen seasons. This one from the four oh five. Y'all are wrong. Line is single digits. Vegas thinks they have a shot. Well, that's not necessarily what that line means. Vegas thinks the most action that they can get on both sides is with a seven point spread. I don't know what like their power rankings or whatever they have to you know, kind of evaluate both teams, say, but that that line is more about what the the action that they can get on both sides. But I mean, it's 
it, it is significantly smaller than what it was last year. I think was Bama around a 17-point favorite a year yeah, ago? Yeah, 17 was, is what it closed yeah. at, I believe, yes. No, Texas, Texas had every opportunity to win that game last year. They played really well. Quinn was playing really well. Um, you know, Bama being sloppy, not playing well. Bryce Young, obviously. I remember, you know, I remember hanging out in the parking lot watching it on the TV while, you know, we were doing pregame, right? And, uh, and yeah, that was a tight one. Obviously came down to the field goal. But I just, I thought, th- I think that was Texas's chance. How many times have we seen that, Tyler? We saw it with them with LSU. They played a close one, right? And that was the big, oh, you know, game in, game in Texas. You know, they shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, game in Texas against Alabama, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You had all the way back when they beat Notre Dame and they were allegedly back. Like, that's the thing. They get up for these big games and then they have five losses. They get up for these big games and then they have seven losses. Like, that's the that's the goofiest thing about that football program is they'll, they'll go toe-to-toe with somebody that, you know, on paper, they're like, okay, they finally lived up to their, you know, lived up to their talent, and then they'll go out and lose to Kansas twice in the last decade. Like, it's so weird. I'll give you my personal favorite, and this team isn't on the same level as Bama or LSU, but the, the opposing quarterback did play last night, Thursday night football. Remember when Texas hosted Cal seven, eight years ago or so? Yeah. Jared Goff was playing for Cal. Cal got off to a, got off to a huge lead. Texas comes all the way back, scores with like under a minute left, only to miss the extra point and lose like forty-five to forty-four. That's that's my personal favorite it's, out of the ones always, you just listed. It's always something, right? Like it's you play a national championship caliber, caliber team to the wire, and then all of a sudden, like that Notre Dame team obviously wasn't to the level of like that LSU team, but it's it's kind of the same vein, right? It's that man, big marquee matchup, nationally televised. I mean, like, big network game, primetime game, and then all of a sudden you, you, you turn it on at 11, you know, on a you know random uh, Saturday in, in November, and you're like, why is Texas down two touchdowns to, you know, OSU? What's going on here? I do really respect this Bama team. Um, I, I, think they're, I think they're better than where they were last year. Maybe not at quarterback right now, but in several other spots. I'll, I'll say this, and, and I don't think it's going to happen, clearly, the way that we've been talking for the past ten minutes. But if Texas goes out there and wins, there's only one reaction, and it's that you have to be very impressed with that. Um, Texas goes out to Tuscaloosa and wins. That'll be their most impressive win in a in a long time, man. Yeah. If it happens, I'll I'll give it up to them on Monday and say that I was wrong about them this entire offseason. But I just I'm just not I'm not ready to get there with Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian winning a game of this magnitude. Yeah, I mean they they will have they will have earned their flowers, no doubt, if they go into Tuscaloosa. And I won't be the first one to give them their flowers because I don't think I go on air till Wednesday. But but believe it, Wednesday, whenever we go on air, I will give them their flowers if they're able to win this game. Because as you've said, as we've said all week, it's just diff- it, different yeah. playing in uh, Tuscaloosa. But we'll see. Hopefully, it's a good one. 405, what time is Nigel Smith announcing? Four-star defensive lineman, top 90 player nationally. Around 7.15 tonight, and we'll hit on that and a little bit more recruiting as well. We'll continue to look at this OUSMU game at 5 p.m. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Sports <laughs> Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. 
OEC Football Friday just met Ed in Houston, who's always on the text line. It's always awesome. Out here at Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club in Norman. Travis is at the Riverwind Casino and Hotel. Yeah, it is a Nigel Smith decision day. Four-star defensive lineman, top 90 player overall, 82 overall according to rivals. And um, Travis, this just uh, feels like it's been a long time coming. It, it, like I told uh, Parker earlier today, it's always felt like he's been a member of this 2024 class, even though he won't be announcing until later tonight. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. It's it's not because he's not important, not because he's not great. It's just been drama-free. And that's, you know, it's funny because we talk about how much, like, during David Stone's recruitment and williams Winner's recruitment and Peyton Bowen's recruitment and all this, that we're like, ugh. I wish that these these recruitments were just a little less dramatic. I wish David Stone would stop posting on Instagram so much. I wish, you know, people were wearing different gloves or whatever it is, Tyler. And then we finally we finally get one that's not dramatic at all. And you kind of you kind of see what the why the other ones do it that way because this kid has gotten zero attention from OU crazy, fans. Man. Any other year, we're like Nigel Smith, difference maker, day one, let's go. But I got an interesting been, stat for you. It's been quiet, man. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So since 2000, and and, and and you know, people talk about like you just said, like Nigel Smith is a big deal. He's a really good player. Since 2000, Tyler, Nigel Smith would have been the highest ranked defensive tackle in 16 of OU's recruiting classes. Jeez. 16 yeah. of them, Tyler. That's a lot of stoops years, too. Yeah. Were, were, were there were some really good defensive linemen there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I mean, that's fascinating to me. 16 different OU recruiting classes. Nigel Smith would have been your highest-ranked defensive tackle. And and in this cycle, we're just saying, man, kind of, kind of. that's kind of nice to get him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just so funny that information has been – I don't know if information has been hard to come by because it's been OU for so long, but – even like a uh, a top schools list, he hasn't released a top schools list since May. I mean, I, I'm looking this morning like, okay, well, who did he drop for his top three or his top five again? For some reason, I can't remember. Oh, that's because he hasn't dropped one since May when he dropped the top eight with Rutgers in the top eight. So it's just, it's just maybe he's just always felt like he didn't need to because it's always been OU. I, I don't know, but uh, you should probably expect that one coming up at uh, – Right around 7.15 tonight, he's going to la- announce on his uh, on his Instagram page. Uh, 405, any more interior defensive linemen in the 2024 class? Um, anyone come to mind for you? for your in- like in-, in terms of who's on the board right now, Grant Bricks is on there, Michael Boganowski. I mean, you'll take another interior defensive lineman, but they feel like they're kind of set there for the most part. Well, Tyler, when you look at – the depth chart from week one right you look at the depth chart and you see how many interior defensive linemen we have listed on that depth chart there are nine of them six of those nine are seniors or red shirt seniors like they're gone like so you can stack this 2024 class to be the the best defensive line class you've ever had you're still gonna have to go to the portal like you're 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 going to need to go to the portal. Maybe somebody, oh I don't know. Um, I'm I'm thinking of 
defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman that you might like to see in this class. Obviously, you'd love a Williams Winner, or he's he's edge, but a Dominic McKinley, I should say. You would love to see if you could flip him. Um, you know, maybe like a Sterling Brooks type. That's like a true like nose tackle. With Jaden Jackson, you get him. He's currently committed to TCU, but that boy's a big boy, 6'4", 315 uh, out of Fort Worth. So, I mean, it, it's going to be if you want another interior defensive lineman, then it, you're either going to have to flip one but or or take somebody that's maybe a late bloomer. But I think, I think OU is going to feel pretty good at where they're at with this defensive line class, knowing that you're going to have to go to the portal. Right. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break. On the other side, uh, Bob Stoops is going to join us here from Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. Let's go. We'll talk to Coach Stoops next right here on The Ref. We're the home of Suter fans. Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. OEC Football Friday live on The Rush. We have a special guest. His birthday is coming up tomorrow. He's Coach Bob Stoops. Here, let me flip that around for you. Here we go. We're live here at Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. Coach, uh, thanks as always for joining us. Again, happy early birthday. That's the second time I said that to you this week. Um, always a great tournament. You get a lot of your former players out here. The parking lot was full, so I know the turnout was great. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. It's a fun day. Uh, uh, HBC Champions Foundation uh, golf tournament. We used to have it in the spring when I was coaching. Now, now I'm not coaching in the fall, so we have it before a game, uh, uh, before one of our home games, and uh, got a huge turnout, a lot of fun. Uh, got Toby Keith out here and uh, Gary Patterson, uh, Joe Washington, uh, you know, just a bunch of good people. Every every part of our, every bit of our charitable money goes to children's organizations from Norman to Oklahoma City, so we keep it right here in the area, and uh, have a lot of fun with it. So, everyone, appreciate them coming out. It's a tough day to be out there in the afternoon, yeah. man. It's hot. But you keep having this, like, right around your birthday and a home game weekend, so it just kind of just well, works out perfectly. Again, like. now that I'm not coaching yeah. in the fall, this works out perfectly. A bunch of people are in for the game. We have fun, and, uh, you know, for a great cause. Uh, we'll go right into the, you know, we're out here to the Jimmy Austin Golf Club, and we'll go right into Pavilion afterwards and, you know, give out awards, have some fun for a little while. So it's it's a great uh, cause and a lot of fun, yeah. and, uh, you know, everyone's out there. I, again, it's tough out there, man. You get, you're out there. I'm sure. It's hot. You know, you're not coaching in the fall, but you are in the spring. And did you find that – work football life balance that maybe you were looking for when you got into the XFL because it seems like you you've got some free time to do stuff like this but you're still involved in football has it been what you wanted it to be it's absolutely perfect I love having the falls where I can watch OU watch my son but yeah. you know OU is always going to matter to me how they're doing what they're doing so I get to see all of that be around um and then come January, you know, the worst golf months of the year are January, February, March, April, and and the XFL championships mid-May. So it works out uh, really, really well. Uh, probably my wife's glad I'm out of the house for a few months. But so anyhow, no, it's uh, it's perfect. Uh, I'm enjoying it, having a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, what I had hoped uh, when I stepped away. I wanted my own time, my own space. 
and I have it to, to do what I want to do. We were just talking about, uh, before you came on, about uh, defensive lineman, top 90 player that's committing um, later today. And I've always heard that getting elite defensive linemen is the hardest position to recruit. Is that fair to say in, in your experiences that defensive line elite ones are, are, the, are the toughest to find? I would say definitely there, there's so few of them, the elite ones, and, and to get some of them makes a big difference. Not only in the front four, I believe in the front seven. You know, the incredible linebackers also in the middle of your defense make a huge difference. And uh, these guys, uh, Coach Venables, their entire staff are recruiting at a really high level. It makes a difference. Um, I think the fact that we're going to the SEC, and I felt this all along, it would make a difference that it matters to those recruits. Now they can be here and play in that conference against the best. So uh, it, it's turning out that way. And, and not to take anything away from how hard Coach Venables and the whole staff works it and recruits. And, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, these guys are getting the, the guys that I believe can make a difference in your defense and in the SEC. Travis, you got a question? Yeah, Coach Stoops, you mentioned how hot it is out there, right? Um, and – and obviously playing in it, uh, you know, is completely different when you're on the football field. Uh, last game, we only had one defensive player with over 30 snaps, and you had guys like Danny Stutzman with only 23 snaps. Compare that to last year where the first three games you had multiple defenders averaging over 50 snaps a game in these early hot games. Can what What is it like to try and, you know, or, or tell me about the importance of making sure that your guys are getting rest, getting out of the heat, and, and letting some of that depth take over. You said I, you had multiple players last year. I, not me. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but Third person me. you. Third person well, you. I still refer to them that way. So I still say us as well. It will always matter to me. I, I think what's happening, uh, and to again, credit to the way they're recruiting, we have depth uh, that there's not a big difference between one and two. And if there isn't much difference, play them both. And uh, it's always you play better when you're fresh. You play better in the second half when you haven't played already 40, 50 snaps. And, and that matters. And especially early in the year with this kind of heat, um, you, if you have competitive depth, give them all a chance. Uh, let's see what everybody can do. And it helps when you're up big, too. You know, it's sometimes these scores get away from you, and you can, you know, you don't have to have the guys you're really counting on to be out there in the second half. Last question before we uh, hit a break. I'm curious if there's something there or it's just purely coincidence. But I look at when you first got to OU and for close to a decade, I thought the Big 12 was the best conference in the country during that time. I think when Coach Switzer's had his elite teams, the Big 8s, was probably the best conference at that time. Now, you won a championship, three other title game appearances, being in arguably the best conference at the time. Same thing for Coach Switzer as well. Is there anything to some of OU's best teams ever being while they're playing in maybe the toughest conference? Is there anything to that whatsoever? That's more of kind of thinking of what's coming up with the SEC. I, I wouldn't agree with that. I, I think too many times people label the, label the best conference by who, who the top two teams are. Mm-hmm. If, if the top two teams are us and whoever, Texas at the time that you're referring to, or yeah. Coach Switzer was OU in Nebraska, and, uh, you know, for a good period of time, us and Texas were, you know, two and three or in the top five. 
That doesn't mean the whole conference. So much of the time, SEC is a great conference. But Georgia and Alabama are not the entire SEC. Too many times everybody labels that because of who just wins the national championship. I don't look at it that way. Look at everybody. Look at the entirety. And that when I made the comment way back when, well, you know, the bottom line is in every conference, the bottom half of the conference, nobody minds playing. And I don't care which one it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's my point. And, and uh, so let's be careful that everyone wants to label someone the best because of the top two teams. It, the conference is now, instead of 10, 12 teams, 14 and 16 teams. And not everybody's those top two teams. Hey, thanks for joining us as always. Okay, good to be with Coach you Coach Bob Stoops, hour number two of The Rush, coming up next.